Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Absolutely delighted to be joined by Wasp's second row. Matt, uh, sorry, to say Matt Simons. Matt Simmons. <laughs> How are you, mate? Uh, either or, either or is fine. Yeah, good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Great to finally finally catch up with you. We've been trying to do this for a week or so. Yeah, technology, not my uh, strongest suit. Yeah. Uh, we, got, we got there in the end. Exactly. Minus, so- minus the beast from the east. <laughs> oh, yeah. How is the weather do- down by you? Yeah, terrible. Literally terrible. It's like north of the wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm locked in. I live with Villy LaRue. We're like locked in. I ran out for a Nando's earlier, and uh, that's lasted us all day. Uh, you, you're living with uh, Mr. LaRue? I am, yeah, I am. Keeps me out of trouble. How is well, that? Keep him out of trouble. How's that work, working out for you? Yeah, good. I'm picking up Afrikaans slowly. He uh, has a lot of FaceTimes, a lot of calls, a lot of shouting, lekker lekker. But I'm getting there. Excellent. So, what have you been, been doing with your day then? You were down in London yesterday, were you not? Uh, I was, yeah. Got back just before the weather fully caved in. Um, just did a bit of work outside of rugby, trying to keep the brain ticking over. Um, and then uh, yeah, day off today. So we uh, mate, we haven't done much at all. I thought we'd be able to get that ha- get out of the house and the roads would be all right. But um, Leamington Spa is has shut down for the afternoon and evening. Now Leamington, not that rugby fans want to listen to this geography knowledge, but Leamington is actually one of the nicest little towns that you'll come across, which nobody knows about. I think it is voted nicest place to live in the UK. Yeah, it's absolutely Fact. stunning, isn't it? fact yeah there's not too much here as i'd say like lads are a little bit critical the ones who haven't bought houses here but uh it's just uh i think i think it was a tough ad- uh, adjustment for the lads who come up from london yeah the bright lights and then um come up here to a slightly smaller 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 places um hasn't been great for the outside of uh, the activities outside of rugby <laughs> that way. Well, just judging by your accent there, you don't sound like you're from Leamington. So where are you originally from, Matt? Yeah, it's an amalgamation of accents. A weird one. I'm, I'm from North London, mm-hmm. uh, Essex originally, and then the uh, spent, so when I finished university, went straight to New Zealand, spent f- nearly four years there, and I just can't shift it. Just can't shift the twang. It's really annoying. Yeah, there it's is. Right. A- I reckon it's all right if you spend like a bit of time over there, like, you know, do a gap year, this and the other, a few other, a few other Brits. But um, because I was kind of immersed in it, it just won't go. And I was having, I was saw Jimmy Gopper for lunch earlier, and it just comes back. Yeah, I bet it's really bad. Yeah, and um, Piers Francis got the twang of I can hear. I saw him interview the other day, and I can hear a similar little twang. Yeah, it also means that you're pretty good at rugby too. So you, you know, you can sort of keep it. I don't know about that. I lucked out a bit. I think yeah, just. Uh, 
right place, right time. So That's give me right. give me a bit of background about how a young Englishman ends up in New Zealand. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a weird little little journey. I uh, so I played rugby when I was a kid, uh-huh. and then got to eighteen, didn't make any kind of southeast trials or anything like that. Um, just no no academy contract. It was spent a bit of time at Saracens, but I was there for a couple of months, and that didn't really work out. So then I did a rowing program for the Olympics uh. in 2012 called World Class Star. I think it's still going or there's, there's in a different format, but they basically test a load of tall blokes, tall girls, did a load of fitness testing, strength testing, and, and uh, kind of got on this program. So um, did that. That was based out of Reading. Went to university there. Did that for five years. Um, ended up getting uh, compartment syndrome in my forearms. Had to retire. Oh, from rowing? Uh, from rowing. Yeah, and then I was like, right, I might as well take this all this training I've done and try and channel it into rugby. So, the nearest club was Isha, oh, uh, yeah. Surrey. So they were in the championship at the time. Started in their like academy Colts team, and then um, kind of worked my way up. Played first team at Isha uh, in the championship. Sadly, we got relegated that year, and then I was looking at options. Spent a week at Leicester Tigers um, near the end of my finals. Couldn't, did, nothing came of that. And then I was like, right, screw it finished my last exams and uh, my little brother spent some time over in New Zealand made some calls went to, and I just literally booked a flight went straight to Christchurch just got a job played club rugby team called Old Boys um, who were one of the top sides there Aaron Major mm. was the head coach with Ruben Thorne who's another, another All Black who was um, forwards coach and was playing with me in the second row So and uh, just kind of went from there Was Aaron Major coach when you were there? Yeah he was our head coach of the club side and mm. then Nathan Major was his brother, who was also the, another coach, and Ruben Thorne. So it was pretty yeah. Galactico squad. And the way they work over there with club rugby is that if those super rugby boys aren't playing, uh, say for the Crusaders, and they're playing club rugby. Mm-hmm. So we used to have boys drop down all the time, and you get like... I think that's the beauty of it. Like Lads just love playing, love playing rugby, so they're more than happy to drop down. Um, you know, we had All Blacks playing... Um, with us, and then you've got like guys who are just working, electricians, construction workers. <laughs> Love that. Bloody good rugby players, but they're just kind of it's a real amalgamation of backgrounds, and everyone just rolls out and and gets stuck in. Yeah, now uh, I've I've spoken to a few lads from Leicester, and they all absolutely love Aaron Major. What was he like to work with? Yeah, awesome, really good, really like. I I I don't think he's probably changed that much. I don't think. I don't think you can, but I mean, he was really welcoming to me, really friendly um, to start with, uh, and that was a, that was a big thing for me. I hadn't really had that from a coach who was, who was that um, kind of you know happy for you to be there, and, yeah. uh, and just really took me under his wing. Same with Ruben, um, and uh, very detailed. We had a really clear structure, clear game plan. Even playing club rugby, uh, we knew exactly where we needed to be, and and we kind of took care of the we took care of the detail and as well as the the physical um confrontational side of things um it was a, it was a, it was that nah, was great i couldn't speak highly couldn't speak more highly about him and i couldn't speak more highly about that um about the system really over there yeah i've got a feeling Aaron mage is going to be back with a vengeance this year oh the highlanders yeah they've got a good little setup there with glenn delaney who coached me as well at, at london irish so i spoke to him actually after the um the win who'd they play down there in uh, the old blues Hmm. after that game and um, yeah he said he's loving it and he's he was at Canterbury as their head coach there and he's worked with a few of those boys before who are, 
who I've played with and, and live with. Um, there's some great guys and they've built a really good culture. I mean, most all those te- Kiwi teams will have a good culture, but I think there's something special down there at the Highlanders. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've actually, I've actually interviewed uh, Glenn before and he's very, 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 very knowledgeable. Just give you like, a measure of the man. Um, I play club rugby up in Manchester, really quite quite a level about le- about level eight, and I think people naturally gravitate to people who will give up their give up their, their time. Glenn actually spent the best part of an hour with me on the phone talking about lineouts, primarily yeah, just because he loves. Started. Yeah, he just loves lineouts. Yeah, don't get me honestly. Oh, I think that's there's quite a few guys like that. It does, it's, it's one of those parts of the game where if you're a little bit geeky, if you're a little bit. Um, if you're quite analytical, if you if you like that side of things, then you can really get stuck into it. And um, with the amount of kind of research you can do and and putting together new moves and structures, and it's an it's an it's an avenue to be able to do that. In and there's not many other parts of the game where you can get that kind of uh, are creative but also analytical. Yeah. So where do you fall on the um, rugby autism scale then? I'd say I've mellowed with age. You know, I've, I've realized for me, it's it's you can overanalyze things, mm. and uh, yeah, I used to watch a lot of tape, um, and I've definitely kind of mellowed off, mellowed off now, and got a bit more of a, a balance to uh, the working week. Uh, and it's part of that just because you know when you've watched that much tape, you've kind of seen it all before anyway. Kind of, and then you also realize that sometimes you can do all the analysis in the world, but things just happen on a rugby pitch things yeah. change and and uh for me you can get you know you lose a couple of line outs it can kind of uh eat away at you a little bit and you're like you know you can ponder it all game and for the rest mm. of the week so sometimes stuff just happens so tell me you moved on to new zealand then now was that purely just for just for rugby or were you thinking of something else were you thinking of going to going to work out there and follow a career no it was for the rugby i just thought if i've got one crack at playing professionally Mm-hmm. then my I've kind of exhausted my options here unless I stick it out in the championship. And I didn't want to do that. I thought from having conversations with my little brother, uh, who was at Leicester at the time, and at some other people, mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to take the gamble and go over there and try and carve something out. And, and to be honest, the best I hoped for was to play a premiership grade in Christchurch yeah and then I thought from there right if Aaron Major and Ruben Thorne are there then if I'm playing well then possibly I could get a recommendation or a reference and then come back here and try and open the door at a premiership club I didn't see it as anything further than that I see so what's the progression then so you're in old boys and yeah. is old boys one below super rugby or do you go to like no is it Mitre Clep or whatever it is now yeah so the, it was the ITM Cup at the time. It was my yeah. 10. Cup. That's the one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, basically you're playing club rugby mm-hmm. in your region, wherever it is, Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, out in the middle of nowhere in Porks Bay, um, at the same time that Super Rugby is going on. Yeah. So there's no chance of you really jumping into a Super Rugby team at that point. But those Super Rugby players who are surplus to requirements on a Saturday will drop down and play club rugby. I'm with on you. A, on a Saturday, okay. And then from that, when you're playing club rugby, the national provincial coaches are watching, so the Mitre 10 Cup coaches are watching. And they've, pr- they've pretty much got the core of their squad, but they you know they might be looking for a scrum, another scrum half 
or a lock or a back rower and yeah. they're kind of looking well they're looking all over but they're predominantly looking in their regions and Christchurch is probably up with Auckland the strongest kind of region for club rugby yeah so so tell me what kind of what kind of basis out of interest does rowing give you for um for rugby in uh, in terms of fitness I think I'm all right. I'm better off 60 minutes in than I am 20 minutes in the yeah game. I feel better then I think it's not so much there's not that much crossover like it took me a long time to get used to the stop start anaerobic um kind of nature of rugby yeah but the, I knew how to train mm-hmm. I knew how to train I, to, I knew how to kind of screw myself over so I used that a lot and I mean I did a lot of weights I ate a lot of roast chicken I did <laughs> when I was a uni I was, I was like 100, 100 kilos when I was rowing played the championship was about 110 and then now I'm 124 wow so and I was playing well, I was playing super rugby at about 117 118 so uh, it's it's and now I hardly eat really I've got to be really careful like <laughs> my body weight just holds it's funny how everyone's different but my body's adapted to it yeah it's weird yeah really weird how interesting so yeah. you you arrive over in New Zealand you you know you you're physically fit you're pretty yeah you, you're pretty strong what what more was added to your game then when you start uh, when you start playing over there coaching it's like so much coaching I was so raw so I used to, I was I was working I had a really I had a couple of really tough like jobs that were just that one was packing yogurts in a freezer works um, <laughs> yeah which was pretty gritty and then I managed to land on my feet I got a really good job well a really flexible job with the earthquake commission so I was basically just driving around the truck just absolute smoke and mirrors not really doing much at all fixing a couple of buildings and I'm not practical at all yeah um but they were great with my rugby so they used to and then basically I played a couple of good like all right games for for all old boys and Scott Robertson um, Razor who's the Crusaders yeah. head coach was Canterbury head coach he was coming to the, he was forwards coach at Canterbury at the time my first club season and he asked me to come along and basically hold tackle bags at training Canterbury training yeah so I just jumped on that and then basically Ruben so I was doing that kind of um, ITM Cup training mm-hmm. and then Ruben took me under his wing and he used to run they have like an IHPU uh, International High Performance Unit at um, the Crusaders so they get a lot of um, international players like foreign players come over and train and Ruben would run the forwards and at the time it was Johnny Gray and they had Finn Russell really? Sam Delgo Klein yeah they were all over um, on this scholarship so they spent three months there and so like I was playing against Johnny and he was playing for Sydenham I was playing for Old Boys he was like 18 at the time uh, Okay. and then we'd train together and do like high ball catching restart work scrummaging technique line out stuff with Ruben like in the afternoons after work that sounds um, awesome yeah so like you, and it's at Rugby Park and that's kind of under the eyes of all the coaches and it's just a lot more well, they're looking out their big windows. They can see who's on the pitch, and my thought was, I'll just be on the pitch every day, like, and uh, and just say yes to everything I could. And thankfully, work were really accommodating. That's um, I guess typical New Zealand, typical Christchurch. Just love their rugby. So, why do you think there's not a si- why, why do you think that, that there's not a system like that in England? Uh, playing numbers um and the and the and the structures in place i think it's i think it's getting tougher and tougher they've got for guys to come through the championship mm-hmm. come through different avenues i've actually got to write a little article on it in the coming weeks but 
which is which is wrong in my opinion. I think we've got to keep a really we've got to keep an avenue open for those players who are late developers, yeah, who have who haven't come down the normal route, and also the guys who you're coming through the championship because I'm looking at my Wasp team now and some of the top performers this year, like guys called Tom, you know, Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like it he's done his hard Macclesfield. Yard. He's probably one of our top. Yeah, there's, honestly, there's there's loads of them. Ben Harris playing really well. Josh Bassett. Josh Bassett. Uh, Reader, who's just done his knee. But, I mean, there's a lot of them. And, we, and Guy Thompson, we've got to keep a clear avenue open rather than just picking these guys up at 15, 16 through the school system. Yeah. Get dropped into the, the academies and aren't exposed to some of those gritty characters that are floating around the championship because uh, if, you, if you ever see Cruzy train, you're not, you know what I mean. He's um, he, he never goes less than 100, percent and well, that's probably because of all his yeah, I, all years know, he spent yeah grinding it out in the champ. I, I'm so glad, so glad you mentioned that because one of the things I talk about and people are so bored of me talking about it now is lack of playing opportunity for lads that have been signed to say a Sail Sharks or Wasps or wherever they are yeah. and just getting no A-team games because the A-team basically doesn't exist and I think what are these lads actually doing? Yeah, you're training but if you're not playing games you're not improving. Yeah, 100% couldn't agree more. I think we've kind of well the squad size is a is a tricky one. You compare it to I mean let's say the Crusaders right right now the Crusaders team says, say there's 35 guys in comparison to Wasps there's 45. Yeah. But from that 35 Obviously, you've got your injuries, but what they'll do is they'll call guys in who are playing club rugby. Yeah. So, and then those guys will just drop straight into that squad. and So they're playing every week, and so are the guys who aren't in that 23. They're playing club rugby every week, and they're more than happy to do that. They prefer to play for their club sides with their mates, and some of them fly. Like when I was at the Chiefs, they would fly from Hamilton down to Nelson what? or down to Christchurch on a Friday to play for their club side because that's where their mates are that's where their families play that's where dad, their dads played and that's where oh, the connection is but they don't they don't want to be in the gym pumping weights and being like looking after themselves they want to play rugby that's yeah. the only way that that's that's all they know and that's one thing that's one of the biggest differences i find i find like over here you talk to like some of the senior academy lads and they're like oh no I you know i don't want to go there i don't want to be on loan there. i don't want to do that and it's like yeah but you're not going to get better doing 10 sets bench press it's not that's yeah. not rugby do you, you know. do you know what I think is sort of energy sapping floods because we've got quite a steep pyramid so you know if I you know if for instance at 33 I made it to the Leicester Tigers team unlikely at this point but you know we're uh, holding out hope never say never exactly mate um, but they weren't playing me this uh, this week my home team or my club team at the moment is like level 8 I just think yeah. that the that the pyramid system in, in England is so steep that you couldn't go back to your club. And then you've got to be fought off to another club, which you've got no affinity to. And actually, I think when players step down a level in England, it's seen as a bit of a you know, kick in the shins rather than going back and playing with your mates. I mean, there's just different ways to skin a cat. I, I understand if, if uh, say, an academy lad, 21, like, you know, he's not he's on loan and then gets drafted back to his premiership side and then doesn't know the team structures, doesn't know the lineouts, gets honed out in training because he, he doesn't know his he doesn't know his, his core roles mm. where he should be and that's that's a detriment to him on, yeah. on the Saturday playing for his for his premiership side. But there's got to be a bit of middle ground here, I think. Um I think there's a reason Southern Hemisphere, specifically New Zealand teams, have such high skill set. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, every, and everyone can rip, everyone can rip 
Super Rugby out of having poor D, this, that and the other, and the score lines. But until you've played it, until you've realised how screwed you are after 60 minutes, <laughs> until you've seen some of the offloads and how quickly they move the ball and how quickly they pick off a tight five, then you can't really talk because it, 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 it honestly is I've never been as more I've never been as fatigued uh, playing the premiership as I have been over there despite all the malls spelt the scrums it's just different like once you hit the wall over there you're you're toast um, <laughs> whereas over here you can take a knee you can kind of you can grind it out the last 20 or so um, and yeah that's you know, you know it's to do the pitches to do with the conditions don't get me wrong I mean it's just a bit of a different game but <laughs> I'd be interested to know your opinion on this because every time I watch Super Rugby, especially the New Zealand teams, it looks like it's minus two and there's you know sideways rain, and then everyone says, "Oh well, the conditions and the pitches there are great." I'm thinking, "Well, are they?" No, they're not. But we train accordingly. Like we 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 soak a ball in fairy liquid before training. Really? So like they dunk it. Yeah, they dunk it. They dunk the ball in a in a bucket of fairy liquid, and we do like KBA drills, like keep the ball alive. So like, with a gauntlet with pads, like they, they're then we do offload drills every um, every week. Uh, but that would, but the, the flip side of that is we'd compromise. We wouldn't spend anywhere near the amount of time that we'd say we spend at Wasps on our driving uh, defence. Yeah, you know. So there's there is there's you know there's only so many hours of the week, and there is a flip side to you know doing ten minutes of offloading drills is that you spend ten less uh, 10 less minutes uh mauling scrummaging yeah like doing that that stuff so and and the mall d in new zealand is though it's it's not not as good as it's <laughs> over here by quite a long way so you know it's, it's it's not i'm not i'm not saying everything's great over there and you know they don't do anything um sorry everything they do over there is better than it is here not mm-hmm. at all it's just it's just, focus is slightly different i see so when did it become uh, a little bit more clear to yourself that you were going to be pretty good in, uh, in the New Zealand style of the game because you know you must have had an inkling. I could run like I could. I was I wasn't the strongest by any means. Like, I could I can still barely bench press 140 kilo. I'm, I was never like I was I was never a freak in the gym, but I could run. Yeah, and um, I put out some pretty good yo-yo scores quite early on, um, and I think that's that's something as a type five forward kind of stand you in good stead um, mm-hmm. over there and I mean I was a lot lighter I, I don't really know mate it just kind of I just thought oh I've got an opportunity here I'll just work as hard as I can and, and then I was I was out of my depth the whole time so I, I captained the Crusader Knights like the Crusaders development side yeah and I hadn't even played ITM Cup and I was like Owen Franks was <laughs> in my side and I'm captaining him and I was like oh my god I'm, I had to say I had to say Scott Robertson I was like Mate, I was like, well, "What am I doing here? Like, I haven't even got an ITM Cup contract, and you put me in." Like, I was there was some <laughs> there was some moments I was yeah yeah I was fully fully out of my depth. Did but, did you call him? Did you call him Mister Franks? I didn't say a word to. Him. <laughs> didn't say a word to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did, did, am I right in thinking that you captained that you captain the Chiefs at some point? Yeah, so that was a similar one. It kind of like I done my first year at the Chiefs, all good, and then. For Dave Rennie, a big focus of for him was having a leader through preseason or a leadership group through preseason. And yeah. so I just got called in one day. He's like, "Mate, do you want to be preseason captain?" Like up until the All Blacks come back, and I was like, "Yes, yeah, sweet." Like, you know, I'm not going to say no. Um, 
got some good other lads around me not it was it was i don't know it just kind of happened and then just um we bounced a few ideas off each other during pre-season because those all black guys don't get back i'm with until you end of february and which of you just trying to think now when you were there which who were the all blacks in your squad sunny bill had was not there at that time. Was there in my second year. Oh, he was yeah, he okay. Was my second year, yes. We had um, Liam, Messam, Brody, Talik, yeah. Sam Kane, wow. Aaron Cruden, Charlie Nartai, uh, Brad Webber's got one, a couple of caps. Um, trying to think, Anton Lennett Brown. Yeah. Trying to think who's been capped now that wasn't capped at the time. Uh, yeah, there's a few. Da- so, hold on. Then, Is Damien McKenzie at Chiefs? Yeah, yeah. Big Jim. Yeah, he was there. He was there. He's he's tough. He's a tough kid. Is he? Yeah, um, I've got a lot of time for him. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's uh, he's a hell of a player. Yeah, well, player. he uh, he he's an incredible player. But I would I'd never describe him as tough though. I mean, what, what yeah. would you say that? Well, he's he's eight whatever he is kilos just about, and uh, we do tackling drills, and he just take the biggest guys like Tamafu. I was there at the time. Yeah. Jamie McIntosh who's at post still like uh, he was. He just throw himself into anything. Do you know, funnily, yeah. funnily enough, um, I was listening to David Flatman do do his podcast. He was talking about the toughest players that he, uh, no, sorry, the, tu- the players that he perceives as the toughest in the Premiership. And the one he, he said, which I which blew my mind, was George Ford because he's so small and yet he just tackles over and over. It might not be dominant, but he keeps on getting up and doing it again. And everyone's trying to whack him. Yeah, I'm just trying to think in in. Uh in my team who I think yeah it's not it's not and there's, there's more to tough than mental toughness I think a lot a lot of things behind the scenes that we see that play, guys play through and how they train yeah. and, and their attitude towards certain things um, is different often to what is seen on television you don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes and who's playing with injections who's you know uh, really putting their, putting their body through the mill for their for their mates so um there's some tough characters out there. Yeah, just just going off topic a second when you said uh, you know playing with injections, I've got a funny feeling you know that's going to be the next rug- like rugby scandal. What local anaesthetics? Yeah, basically. Nah, that's that, that's well, I don't. That's where I probably sell myself down the river, but I think that's pretty commonplace. What it was back in, well, I've, I've played with a fair few in my time. Um, in AC joints, shoulders. Um, mm. I don't. It's it's yeah. it, it's a tricky one, right? Because depending on on what on, on what you're having, there there does become a certain tolerance to to painkillers, and sure, you know, sure. there's a lot of players playing on painkillers who don't necessarily need them. But you know, the more you take, the more you need. And I think you look at it in American sports. There's a lot of guys that that finish the game or whatever sport that they're in, and uh, you know, life isn't particularly rosy for them. I can tell you there has been a massive clampdown in every change room that I've been in recently. Is there? Um, yeah, huge. Yeah, they won't give out anything. And you've got to be... Uh, yeah, they're they're very, very strict. It's um, it's not... I mean, I, I can't speak for every team, and there's probably some lads out there listening laughing. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, from what I've seen, they've really clamped down on some stuff. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the flip side to what I just said is rugby is pretty good when it comes to... You know, identifying things. I mean, I'll give you an example. Concussion. I mean, I don't remember concussion being a huge issue for the last twenty years, but all of a sudden it is, and they've and they've reacted, uh, you know, uh, proportionally. I would say. Yeah, I think obviously that 
stem from the uh, the NFL lawsuits. And I mean, but you look at football recently. The, the recent articles coming out on that and um, Alan Shearer's documentary. Uh, it's not just rugby. It's um, it's kind of you know, there's a few sports that are really addressing it now. Yeah, um, just going go, go back, going back to the Chiefs. And let's just quickly talk about Dave Rennie because anyone who has attempted rugby coaching must have gone on YouTube and must have found Dave Rennie's coaching coaching videos. He's um, he's quite some guy. He is, yeah. He's he's the he's the man. Uh, he uh, probably had one of the he's probably one of the coaches had the most influence on my career. Gave, believe uh, believed in me a lot, and um, yeah, I owe him a lot, really. Now, is it? I, there is a a video of him, and one of the things he's saying is what uh, everything that we do do at the Chiefs is basically we'll always have a go from anywhere. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market and we'll play and we'll basically play two, two phases before working out what to do is, is that is that actual, is that bravado or did he actually do that yeah it's, it's, I'll tell you as a type 5 forward it breaks me when I see one of them tapping and going or what used to or quick throw-ins or we used to have a call uh, called find it whereby let's say we get awarded a penalty near halfway um, especially against the big African sides. Yeah. And they turn their backs and get a blow on and all kind of huddle up thinking you're kicking for touch. And one of the back three players would just call find it, find it. And oh, nice. Tap and go. So they're going to tap and go quick, like look, faking the kick to touch, tap, and then get it two passes wide. And normally we'd either score or we'd, you know, we'd get pretty close to it. We've, but as a tight five forward, you're in the middle of the park hanging out your ass thinking oh here we go again yeah um, i can only imagine that's that's the, the differences whereas over, over here you that wouldn't happen so you get a chance to get a breather a kick for touch reset and then you kind of be into your work again but over there if you look some of the length of passages of play because mm. they're always looking for that quick option because they know they back their conditioning and they back the fact that they're going to that defence is going to make a poor read because mm. they're fatigued. Now, that's that's sort of an interesting point uh, on conditioning. Now, England, uh, obviously, well, they're not. I don't know if they're in camp at the moment. They might have actually um, disbanded for a few days. Some of them are, I think. Yeah, some of them are. But Thor- I mean, uh, Joe's back at Joe's back at. Um, is he, is, is he back wasps, at Wasps? I think. Yeah, just he's, tra- he's training his ass off, but um, yeah, he's back. So, uh, from a fitness point of view, I mean, I can't imagine there's many lads fitter. Than the lads that play at the Viva, and if they are, if, if there are fitter lads 
maybe it's in England. How does the actual fitness side c- compare? Because there's only so far you can push push a human body, as I think we found out on Saturday, actually. Oh, I don't know about that. You should go talk to... I used to ride. You should talk to my mates who are trying to go to Tokyo at the moment. They are pushing every, they're pushing the limits. It's absolute madness. Really? But, oh, yeah, like, there was a guy... Yeah, there's some, there's, yeah, there's some serious... Uh, boundaries being pushed some guys who are really struggling glandular fever all kinds um so oh they're, uh, they're a mad bunch those lot but in terms of rugby yeah i think i mean no no doubt never played international rugby can't vouch for it but i assume it's a <laughs> watching it it's another level up uh, mm. on either super rugby or premiership or or champions cup so full credit to them mm. i think anyone playing that standard's got to be a certain level of fitness and it's it's pretty um it's pretty impressive. Yeah, because um, you know, without making any judgments on the England team, uh, I, I, the fact that they're doing a miniature pre-season in the middle of the domestic season before the Six Nations blows my mind. I, I can't imagine how much fitter they can get than a bunch of international players mid their domestic season. I, I mean, I, yeah, I can't speak to that environment. I'm sure a, a certain amount of it is psychological. Do you reckon? Um, well, I, I think you'd like to go in with the perception that you're the fittest side. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think mentally that is huge because you're both, you're, you know, like obviously you haven't played it, can't tell you, but if we're playing a big game, let's say, you know, you're playing the Chiefs, yeah. the extra Chiefs, you'd like to think that 50 minutes in, you've got one up over them, um, even though you might not at all, you know, if you were going to run against your opposing number he might beat you in a yo-yo test or beat you in a fitness test whatever it is but mentally if you can if you have the perception that you're fitter yeah. you'll be able to dig that a little bit deeper and it will that's that's half the game really mm. the mental side of it now earlier on in the interview you said that you went to New Zealand to sort of build a bit of a CV you must be pretty happy with how the CV was building when you're pre-season captain at, captain at Chiefs when did interest from back home start um, start filtering through to you. Um, good question. I lose track of dates now. It was um, so I think I met up with London Irish when my first year. Yeah. Glenn Delaney came over. I think that was my oh, first okay. year, and then I said no. I said oh, I'm going to stick it out here and and have a crack. And um, and then towards the end of pre-season, in my second season, just before the Super Rugby started. I found out that um, Tom Coventry was going over to Irish. Got you. Going back to the UK, and he asked, would I be interested in going? And I'd spoken to Graham Roundtree, who was over um, in June 2014 for that England tour. Yeah. Um, I'd caught up with them in Auckland. Not, you know, just just a general chit-chat. Nothing more than that. No promises or anything. Um, and I was like, I was kind of weighing it up. I've been over there a long time. Family, friends. And I was like, mm, let's um, let's see what's on the table. I see. So, um, did you go to the first New York game with with an Irish? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was tremendous fun. We covered that with egg chasers. Um, did you? Yeah, we went to the Irish the Irish consulate the day before the game, which oh, is awesome. phenomenal. Yeah, they are mad for it. It's gonna be interesting. I was just speaking to Greg McWilliams actually on the phone, who um, is the USA. Irish guy who's yeah. USA attack coach or uh, backs coach and he's DOR at Yale. So I went over there oh, last he? June. 
Yeah, I went over there last June and caught up with him there because he used to. They used to have a Yale used to have a partnership with the Chiefs. Yeah. So they'd send in in New Zealand. They'd send some coaches over and they'd send some players over and they play club rugby and had a you know a bit of a partnership there. So I met Greg there and stayed in touch and um, he invited me over last last uh, last June in the off season break. So headed over there and realised because uh, we when we stayed over there with Irish we were out in New Jersey. We were yeah. Training at the Jets facility, which is insane but we were right out of sticks so we never really get to go into um, Manhattan much yeah so when I went over there um, in June and caught up with Matt McCarthy who runs the rugby wrap-up show yeah, yeah I've been on which that awesome, which an all, yeah awesome little venture and um, and all the and a few of the old blue guys um, and some of the rugby rugby um, some of the Eagle boys who are working in the city now uh, it was it was awesome, and you just realise that something's brewing, and there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of there's actually quite a lot of rugby knowledge in New York. Yeah, it's um, I mean, there's a lot of them, but the you know they're fairly sparse just because of the sheer size of it. But when you do yeah. like find a group of lads that love it, I mean, it, it's like a cult. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like one degree of separation. One, even that within that rugby network, everyone knows everyone, and it's funny you, you get guys who come over from playing semi-pro in the UK who've let's say gone into recruitment played yeah. some club rugby that network is phenomenal those, those guys are in some really successful roles yeah uh, in their respective industries and then playing club rugby and, and it's kind of gone hand in hand mm-hmm. um, that that kind of network yeah I mean we were lucky enough when we went over last time we went for the Saracens Newcastle game we were hosted by do you know what if I can't rem- remember their name um do you know what I've, I've got their keyring and their shirts and everything and I can't remember New York Athletic Club no oh, was it, no was it uh, where was it, it was, in um... New Jersey How? Uh, Bay- Bayon Bombers oh okay yeah, yeah. so they, they've moved their game to a Friday for us to have a you know to have a quick kickabout with um, with the second team which was awesome so uh, yeah it's, it, 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 is a, it is a cool little community there yeah and they've got a big rugby charity uh, going on called um, Play Rugby USA it's about uh, which I went to a, it's run by an English guy oh okay um, actually and it's all about kind of uh, bringing rugby to some of the poor areas of, of New York is and it it's, um, it's, it's produced some um, some like incredible athletes oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. Uh, they've uh, discovered through the programme yeah well we were playing against a team a team out there who had basically produced all, so most of the New York teams are obviously expats but the team that we played against and yeah. I can't remember their names they'd got most of their teams actually from from their under eights and you know from uh, uh, from under 14s so on and so forth they're basically home uh, homegrown a whole club which, which which is brilliant to see yeah that's awesome that's, um, that's the beauty of rugby uh, any interest from you maybe to go over to, to the States when um, it develops a bit more possibly possibly who knows I um I uh, had a chat with Connor Murphy, uh, who used to be at um, uh, a London Irish, in, like the academy scrum half. Yeah, he's a bloody good player, and then went over there to Houston Sabercats. So I spoke to him uh, maybe a couple of months ago now. Did yeah. like a little blog on it, uh, just about the MLR and how he sees it going and and the potential. And he was just couldn't say enough good things about Houston and the rugby and like the people and how he sees it going. And uh, it was pretty exciting. I just spoke to Greg, and he was. I said, what do you think, mate? Do you reckon it's going to stick? And he's like, yeah, 100%. Um, they've just got a sustainable model built now and they've had enough engagement and 
I mean, there's just geographically, you've it's yeah, it's, it's a completely ma- different beast. The UK, you know, like we're traveling to Gloucester, be home in an hour. <laughs> you got you got to fly from Houston up to Seattle. You know, it's just the cost involved. Yeah, so it's that's a different beast. Oh, it's- um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, um, it's good for everyone. Absolutely, and it's also a great place to visit on your uh, um, on your rugby tours. Yeah, I'm planning. I'm, yeah, planning a little trip back in June. Excellent. Um, so let's just fa- fa- fast forward a bit over to, over over to Irish. I mean, uh, I'll be pretty di- direct with this. Why do you think that Tom Coventry didn't work there? Uh, work too well there because he's got a really good record back back at the Chiefs, and it just didn't seem to settle for him. No, I didn't know. I think he. I think. Uh... Like I've still got a really good relationship with Tom, um, so I think it. Well, you've probably talked to him. I don't want to speak <laughs> on his behalf. I think that it's. I think it's not just him. I think a lot of Kiwi coaches and Aussie coaches, whoever they may be, mm-hmm. don't quite realise the differences, both culturally, um, skill-wise, um, physically. Um, conditioning wise there are I think I think and I think culturally is the biggest one yeah over in uh, from my experience in New Zealand team culture wise it's all kind of player led it's and the, and the coaches are happy with that they want us taking responsibility um, they want us to be empowered they want us to make the decisions and they kind of just are consultants effectively and kind of steer us in the right direction and put their foot down when they need to yeah and we, and just you know, because everyone lives close together, it seems like the guys are a bit younger. I live with five of the guys when I was at the Chiefs. You, you just um, you don't really need. To, well, you, you spend a lot of time working on it, but it's just it's just a bit different. Mm. And over here, I think we like being told a little bit more, like what to do. Yeah. Um, just give us clear instructions. If you want us to run through that brick wall after on the second phase, we'll do it. Just tell us, and we don't really. It's, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can't speak for all teams at all. But just from my experiences, I think that's something that's um, you, just a bit, just a bit different. Yeah. If I could put my finger on it, and I'm trying to work out how to say this without sounding too disparaging, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, when I was talking to other players about Irish that season, what they would say is, yeah, well, they get to the third phase and not entirely sure what to do. And I think what they meant by that is, you know. In a super rugby sense, you would get to your third phase, and then the boys' you know uh, skills and you know it's not so much about patterned rugby. Then it's about individual players. And I think that's where it kind of that's where it kind of kind of fell down. English lads think, want more yeah. structure, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think London Irish at that time we were trying to play a game that's very similar to to Wasps now. Yeah, but without the without the caliber of players across the squad. Mm. So pretty much we've got we've got a bloody good squad at Wasps and we've got numerous guys who can slip into numerous roles yeah and carry them out well um, but probably at Irish we lack that depth so once we lost a couple of key guys struggled to implement that plan where you're coming wide into the middle of the park you're going out the back then you're trying to get to the edge and then you know you get round the edge instead we were getting caught a lot and then we kind of lose structure and and just run up our own arse mm. whereas and and it was probably a little bit the coach's naivety thinking that we could get away with playing that game. And yeah. We could get guys who've never done it before, even though it might be top international players, 
to run to the line and pull it back as though they're James Graham in the NRL. Yeah. Like the, you just you've got to play to guys' strengths and sometimes you've got to cut your losses and realise actually, lad, we're going to play two free phases. We're going to box kick it. We're going to put one a massive pressure on D and you know we're just going to play a tighter game or we're just going to go round the corner. We're just going to play off nine, whatever it is. Just um, if we don't get anywhere in free phases, we're just going to kick it. And yeah, put massive pressure and make them make mistakes. And 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 if you're going to go to Welford Road, if you're going to go to Sandy Park, if you're going to go to these places. Sometimes you've got to accept the fact that a bonus point is not disaster. Yeah, it, it's like a mentality. It's a whole new mentality. Exactly. And then you come from Super Rugby where you don't have relegation, and you come for it around. And yeah, great. Yeah, you might lose, and you might you know lose a couple more than you should, but you're not facing relegation yeah and that is a game changer can i just say i i love you james i um, i love you james graham reference then that's uh that, oh, that, that there's true rugby knowledge he's unreal isn't he he's unreal yeah he's unreal yeah we do another rugby podcast from this studio for rugby league and uh, yeah. we ha- um, and we had him on as a guest and to my mind i think he might be one of the, the best rugby players to come from the british isles of yeah, of any code yeah i didn't really watch much and i'd like I, don't watch much now to be fair but when I was in New Zealand it's massive so I used to watch a lot of NRL then went to a few games we were like if we go to Brisbane to play the, the Reds the Broncos we playing Friday night go and watch that so it's um, it's awesome to watch live it is isn't it so any, any, yeah, any Union fan go and watch some NRL live it, it, uh, it often amazes me why it's not the biggest sport in the world but it's just I, d- yeah, I, I, I mean, don't know what happens origin, there yeah. I, mean, I saw Tio's comments um, the other day comparing well, nothing in unions ever matched up to state of origin. I, I can kind of agree with him. Not that I played in any, but watching it on TV and understanding how much the Kiwis get into it. Yeah, I, the Aussies. So uh, this is how sad I am. Uh, a few years ago, I used to book off time to uh, watch state, state of Origin. Yeah, that's pretty sad, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 sh- I should really grow up. Now, uh, I am going to ask you one last question, but it is going to be fairly detailed question. Far um, away. And I'll just give you a bit of background to this. So, on my other podcast, Egg Chasers, I get a lot of stick from Wasps fans who say that I hate Wasps. I I really hate Wasps, allegedly. And the reason I get a stick is because I say Wasps are not particularly... No, I don't... Yeah, I say... I'll, I'll be honest. I say they're not particularly well coached. And what I mean by that is I don't think coaching is the most important thing at Wasps. I think the most important thing of Wasps is the quality of their players. And... You know the individual individual skill sets. In particular, I always highlight Danny Cipriani because I think he is probably the best attacking player in the Premiership. And when Wasps don't do well, it tends to correlate when when Danny's not involved um, involved in the team. Is that a fair critique of Wasps, or am I massively off the point there? I mean, tough one. I think Danny is has got some mercurial mercurial touches that no one else can do really I mean the way he does have a pretty um, unbelievable ability to get our attack humming yeah Um, and no doubt we miss him when he's not playing Uh, having said that yeah there's coaching we get coached I've learnt a lot uh, at Wasps um, from coaches and from also some of the other players who are there we've got some uh, fantastic guys in the forward pack Mm. who uh, really kind of lead the, lead the set-piece stuff and, and I've learned heaps. Um, I think, I think, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I was a different player, so 
I was absorbing everything in my earlier years. Yeah. And uh, in terms of like my the tight game, in terms of I can only speak for myself. In terms of the tight, in terms of like the mauling, scrummaging, the technicalities around that and the line out, I'd say I've learned a lot mm-hmm. at, at, at Wasps. Um, I don't think you're really going to tell Danny now. I think you, I don't think you're really going to coach him uh, as though you would coach a 21-year-old, as though you coach Connor, uh, as though you coach Connor Eastgate, yeah. one of our academy team, or Jacob Umanga. Like you're just not like he. He sees the game differently. He understands it. He uh, he gets it. He just gets it. And he and and uh, yeah. So in that regard, probably not. You're not. You're not gonna. If you if you were gonna sit him down and, and you know and talk through this that and the other, it wouldn't. Um, yeah, it just you don't need to do it really. <laughs> you just let him get him fit and let him play. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I look at wasps and the reason that I think they play magnificent rugby at times is because you've got so many great individuals and you know, you don't play particularly structured stuff. Is what is what I keep on coming back to. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, we've got a pretty big structure in place. It's just that we've got options off that structure. So sometimes yeah. it may look unstructured, but it's actually all structured. Yeah, it <laughs> is know, a weird. It's, it's, a, it's a weird one. So like, where our options are, we're hitting the first one, we're hitting the second one, we're going out the back, we're going off the back straight off ten, or we're going off the back out or yeah. back forward, or we going to the touch line. If we don't get to the touch line, we're going to go. That you know, it's all. It's such a weird it's all one. Um... Very planned, and and it's that's all driven from our from our halfbacks. Yeah. So that's all. That's all, Danny. That's all, Jimmy. That's all. Dan Robson and Joe Simpson, like they have a, because our, I say that our halfbacks are so strong. Yeah, uh, it has a massive impact on our structure, uh, on attack, um, and also we've got some great ball playing twelves and thirteens. You know, if you put, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, legitimate... uh, and, and that that, yeah. that kind of uh, skeleton gives you the ability to have a very effective attack. Yeah, I mean. Uh, legitimately, one of the guys who continually is raised by people who've played with him. I've never interviewed the guy myself, but Kyle, but Kyle Eastman. I think there yeah. are about five guys I've spoken to, and completely independently on an open question, who is the best player you played with? And they will say Kyle Eastman, time and time yeah. again. Yeah, he's 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 a phenomenal player. And he's a great bloke as well. Uh, and I mean, he this he. So when I was in news, when I was at Chiefs at the time, twenty fourteen. Uh, and it was just before the England All Blacks game, first one. Mm. Wayne Smith was our coach at the time at Chiefs. And we were just having a discussion around the England side. And he was like, if I was going to play anyone, if, if they were going to beat the All Blacks, they had to play Carl Eastman at 12. Because they said, if you put a big ball carrier at 12, all we'll do, all the All Blacks will do is just chop him down, and that'll be it. Yeah. You need someone with a threat in the second receiver. You need, you need Kyle to kind of unlock the attack. And he was a massive, massive fan of him. Yeah, I mean, if they could, if Wasps could just have kept Kyle and Danny on the, on the same pitch for extended periods of time, I'm not entirely sure how he beat them. But there again, Jimmy Gopeth's pretty good at twelve too. So yeah, it's, I mean, um, this is these are sort of options that Wasps you know have got to juggle, I guess. Yeah, and that's and that's when I talk back about the structure we had in place at Irish. That's mm. the prime example of you know we can just slot Jimmy in wherever. Yeah, and not many teams have the ability to put someone of his. Um, of his standard, yeah, he's yeah, a, just yeah. slot him in. 
Yeah, he, he is quite some player. It's a weird one, the old, uh, the old question like, how structured are you? Because it's actually the structure that allows you to play the unstructured stuff, as you've already said. It's a exactly. kind of like a, a bit of a dichotomy there. Um, exactly. Matt, you you've been an absolutely awesome guest. I, I feel that we could carry on talk, uh, uh, talking rugby for quite for for quite some time, but uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna call it a day because I've kept you on the phone for fifty minutes. Before you go though, tell me about your blog. Where can we find it? What and what you're writing about? Yeah, matt-simmons.passel.net. It's uh, it's on my Instagram page, on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Big LinkedIn, as I get a lot of. Get a lot of heat from the lads. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can't win. You can't win. You either don't do anything and you don't get a job when you finish, or you do try and do stuff and then yeah, you get a lot of heat. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a lose lose. Tell me um, this, actually, what what were you doing on Friday? Because I, I I wanted to get back to that. You said you were working outside of rugby. That made me interested. Oh yeah, I've got I've got a couple of little ventures that I'm going to launch with um, some partners in the city in London uh, in the coming in the coming months, which is all around trying to help. Um, help athletes with a bit of a clearer pathway. Oh, nice! Um, oh, so, that... so that's my that's my kind of uh, that's taking up a lot of my energy at the moment outside of rugby, trying to keep that in one. the lines. Then, um, yeah, if you read your blog, you can kind of see where yeah, see you where that might see a go. Bit of a pattern about where that might go. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's a raising a lot of it with the transition. Um, it's well, it's well publicised now. There's a lot of articles from ex-players and, mm. and even current players talking about it I think there's a lot of, it's a lot of negativity there's a lot of you know um, quite it's quite tough for current athletes not just rugby players to yeah. read because you almost want to put your head in the sand I, oh, I don't completely. have to deal with this stuff because I'm still in the prime of my playing careers hopefully I've got another 10 years 8 years whatever it is to go I don't want to deal with this so uh, what a big thing for me is trying to raise some positivity around it and actually let's You've got to kind of, let's kind of realise all these transferables that not just professional players that you know amateur pub side players mm. have. They're, they're, they're some of the um, attributes they offer and that they actually bring into their nine to fives currently. Um, that's a, it's a, just a big one for me, and I just think we need to offer as much support as we can around uh, helping guys make a smooth transition and and all the um, uh, kind of. All the variables that come with that, all you know, from the mental health, oh. well-being side of things, to the financial hits, to whatever it is, I think if we can make that process as easy as possible, and it's win-win for everyone. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, do you know what I liken it to being a professional athlete in? Well, it's only in rugby actually, because the money is good. Uh, you know, it, it you know, oh, it's, it's actually not really good. It, it, I mean, it's, it's yeah. good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, uh, there's a there's a bit of a misconception around that you think everyone's getting paid that top England like money. No, no, no. I mean, a lot of guys who are doing it, you know, who are who could be making more money outside of rugby, and uh, and it's it's not we're not it's not football, it's not NFL, it's not NBA. It's, it's uh, well, why, I I kind of see it having like because because the rug, money in rugby for the average squad guy. You know, it's good, but it's not massive. It's almost like having your thirties in, in reverse. So, like 100%. when, like you've got this money now, which all of your mates from your school group probably don't. And as you get older, they sort of catch you up, and then all of a sudden, you've kind of got 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 this drop. Just as your mates are all like hitting the exactly, and uh, for nu- for numerous reasons. One, because you're competitive. Yeah, and there's a certain, and there's an element of competition in that. Two, because you were always the one one buying rounds when you were eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yes, schoolmate. When you were on decent academy contracts or whatever, or you just broken through, and all your mates were at uni, skin. And now they're accountants, they're doctors, 
their their lawyers and they're 32 34 and they're making it rain and you're about to fall off a cliff because yeah. you haven't put in the work getting your plan in place and uh, having a clear but I mean you simply um, can't tell 22 year olds you know maximise your ISRA allowance it doesn't work no and and I mean I, 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 well, I could talk about this all day we could do another blog just purely on this but yeah uh, it's uh, and then we, for this exact reason lads put their head in the sand and you can always you know, I can hear them I can hear mates just switching off as we as we speak because they just don't want to talk about it they don't want to know and it's bloody terrifying oh yeah uh, I I completely completely agree How, however there does seem to be a burgeoning uh, trend of rugby players either coffee brands built on brands or podcasts that is the new one yes there are Brad Weber and Michael Allardyce in New Zealand that two of my oh. uh, former teammates have just started one coffee or um, built on no, sorry, uh, podcast. Oh, podcast. Oh, you said, I thought you said, pod, I thought you said, pod, said no, 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 on. I said coffee built on podcasts, and sometimes all oh. three. <laughs> coffee? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of, couple of current teammates who are venturing into that scene very shortly. Is there? I don't want to give anything away, yeah, but some very well-known players uh, are um, about to embark on a... Well, little, uh... and you've got to remember that every other player is from far- from a farming background, so, so so Biltong is always strong. Exactly. There's some... Uh, I mean, I think uh, what Sam Smith, I, I think some of the lads went to like a, an event with him. He was talking earlier today, and I think they were speaking very highly of him and what he's done with Wayland's Yard. So, oh, so right, okay. the second one in Birmingham. Yeah, so, I mean, this, this is what I mean, though. All the transferables, like, guys going out to have some incredibly successful second careers, and we've got to kind of speak a little bit more about those guys and uh, it's pretty pretty inspiring stuff. Mm. Well, mm. I've got an idea, Matt. Well, why don't we do another podcast in the very very near future, and we'll just focus on on this alone? Well, I don't know how many viewers we'll get. Oh, you'll pretty, you'll be surprised. Yeah, pretty deep, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, hey, there might be some some listeners out there who can help out. Um, always looking for always looking for people who can offer some work experience or uh you know come in have a chat with the lads oh. something the other yeah um, yeah, open yeah some absolutely doors uh, for both win win right well thank thank you very very much for uh for for um, coming on the show best of luck with the foot and um yeah let's let let's do let's do that other podcast soon yeah sounds good thank you very much cheers well, mate Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 